Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Now we're recording. <laughs> now we're recording. Welcome yes, to the podcast. I'm glad you squeaked because you made fun of my. You said you said I have a squeaky voice. Oh yes. I was driving in trying to listen to the podcast this morning. I know. Continual the first distraction. Thing I hear is, uh, yeah, Asp- absolute disrespect <laughs> for my squeaky voice. And I start the podcast oh, in the squeak. There we go. I deserve that. Okay. My just rewards. But the other comment was that um, Father Mike cuts me off all the time. I when didn't say that. When you're trying to do the intro. Ah, uh, yes. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was Father John. Father and, Mike uh, here. Father Mike uh, coming back at you. I hope you're doing well. He is drinking an espresso out of a uh, wine glass. It looks pretty pretty fancy there. You know, it was the only glass in the <laughs> the coffee room. You should tell your guys to stock up some glasses. I have. Um, I panicked, Father. Dude. I uh, just ruined the whole the whole thing because I didn't know how to put the whatever the pot in. Yeah, and the bucket was full. Ah, uh, yes. You know, it's got this little plastic tray. Right. And I didn't know what's going on, so I just kept pulling the crank. Like an idiot, mm-hmm. like this is supposed to help something, and then it and pushing the button, and it got this fake coffee like n- everywhere, not through just water, all over the. Place. I I did that and exact then same Selen thing kind of last week. Out. Yeah, did he? He's a good guy, Father Gary Sellen. Uh, speaking of good guys, what do you think of the new guy, Machado? Yeah, oh, he's all right. He's all right. We'll keep him around. Oh, you know, I I haven't listened to the. I just started this thing. I'm okay, Max Shaler. Ah, uh, okay. Right? Yes. And so I got about uh, five minutes in. I tried listening this morning. But, okay. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I'm excited. And he seems to um, be articulate with not many vocal pauses. No. And I am happy to be mindful. I am happy when I am mindful of the vocal pauses uh. and avoid them. But it doesn't happen often. And now I, that was a setup so that I will be self-conscious the whole podcast. I realized. You know what a, I realized. Vocal pauses. Like when you uh. Yeah. Uh, uh, so um, well, uh, well, okay. Uh, I was listening to myself stuff. lecture today, and I was like, "You say okay, a lot. Yeah. Okay, okay. You know what I mean, right? Right. And it's like that's really annoying. They have to listen to that thousands of times every semester, right? Okay. Yeah. Good. You should change it to German. Yeah. Ja yeah. Oder? Oder? Yeah, <laughs> oder? Um, yeah, I think Machado's uh, he's a good pick, and he's got to be thoroughly vetted by um, by you and the uh, recordings to come. So, uh, But we're really excited to have him on. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward looking to Looking at some other young guys, uh, drawing them in. we got some just really talented young uh, seminarians and priests and uh, excited to have them. They're all feeling like they're in Global Shadow. I'll never feel Global Shadow. And it's like well, nobody true. can feel physically feel yeah. global shadow or you, or symbolically do you think um i wish i could be asking someone with kids um you say well i'll never be like my dad and then you become a dad yeah so it's like well you yeah, know figure it out what does that mean and right. do you have to be or whatever but so you're in the shadow but you're on your own right. you know you're your own person right so, come at yeah. I look forward to getting to know these guys. Yeah. I was surprised by, and this is not a criticism, that you had him do his own topic the first time. Yeah. That was cool. I know. And he I was ready that to was go. Old. He was ready to go. You're just throwing him in the pool. Deep end of the pool. What do you think about how they 
throw the kid like the babies in the pool yeah to get them freaks me out like they can naturally swim or yeah, whatever they no. can just breathe like that yeah i don't know i don't I know yeah. I'm with you, man. i get nervous about i'm with you i i don't think that's recommended i don't like holding babies you're you're more of a baby guy i think than i am i you don't, don't like holding babies no oh no well, i feel like i'm gonna drop them drop point. them and break them so i don't want to throw them into a pool i don't even like looking at a them for too long i feel like man. i'm gonna make them upset so <laughs> you don't like children. I like three year olds. I like three year olds. Really disturbing and no, makes I don't li- sense of a I lot don't of like, things. I don't like babies. You don't like children. That's a difference. You hate babies. I had a great time with my three year old <laughs> nephew, but I, I have no relationship with my eight month old nephew. I, have, well, I don't know what to hard. do with you. Okay, I look, have no I, I like what? It's hard to have an intellectual conversation if that's what you're looking for. I'm not. Or to talk <laughs> sports or ask for like advice in sports betting for the sports book. No, yeah. Yesterday I was playing but, WrestleMania with Caleb, but and then and then we were singing, singing and dancing to "He Loves the Song California" by Jamestown Revival. All right. Do you know that song? No. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, so we're I bopping to that. I can actually interact with this person, this okay. little blob. I'm just like, and everybody's like, "Isn't he the most precious baby ever?" I'm like, "It looks like yeah. the other three. Okay. And uh, my sisters yeah. do. That's now true. you as have new. See, you have new babies. You're in the new baby it's phase. It's true. Babies are babies. You're in the new baby phase. You got all these new baby nieces and nephews, and you know. I love them. I know you do. I'm just saying, you're, you're like, still like a new uncle. Yeah. You know? Okay. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Ten I, years from you, now, so you're saying they're more fun. They get cooler. And they get more fun. You can dance with them as they get older. Yeah. Which is cool. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah. Because previously you just said I don't. I like hate babies children. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know how to interact. I with said. Children. I believe what I yeah, said was I don't. Playful. I, be- I have seen it, so <laughs> I don't believe you. I believe what I said was I don't feel comfortable holding babies, and if I hear what you were saying, this is how Brene Brown told me to talk to companions what i hear you what saying. i what i hear you saying is you, that you're saying i don't like children so we obviously kind of there was a disconnect there so what i hear you saying to, is i am a cruel person who despises all children under the age of three it's getting hot in here the uh we were talking about <laughs> sorry we like to wear we like to wear uh, hoodies and uh they seem to keep it we, in the Redemptorist Mater building where we teach. Some guy from who grew up on the equator runs the um, thermostats in there because it's always like eighty, at least eighty-five yeah. degrees. I'm just dying in there. That was just like Rome. It's like this is the worst. Just like Rome, if you open the if you open the window because it's eighty degrees, right? People will start screaming. <laughs> oh, the the breeze, the breeze, it's killing me. I know. Cover our necks. But the it's Italians true. Do. It's warm in there. I it's had the uh, in the winter. It's real cold. It can be real cold. Yeah, that is true. Here's a question for you. Last one, and then we'll get down to it. The guys I'm playing uh, up at uh, Fippy last night, so up in Evergreen with uh, guys in Second Theology, and Owen turns to me and says, "What was Father Mike like in seminary?" Oh no! And I was like, well, "This was yesterday." Yeah. Oh no! I barked at Owen. And I'm really embarrassed about it. Not I'm embar- embarrassed about it. I just feel very uncomfortable with disciplining. Yeah. And I have to get used to that yeah. as a teacher. Well, he says to me, I think I'm a lot like Father Mike. Mm. And then he says, who, do you, who are you like? And I said, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. The guys who drive me nuts usually were very similar. Really? Yeah. I said, if, if there's a, something in a guy that just drives me crazy it's probably in me and i eventually have to acknowledge that for better for worse 
And uh, he goes, does that mean I hate Father Mike? And I was like, no, 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 that's not what we're saying. So, but he, well, I'm, they're, they're I'm very, flattered. I should say that they're very intrigued by who is Father Mike. I told him about your desire to uh, live at Redemptor's Mater, the next, the neighboring <laughs> seminary, <laughs> true. Uh, just to shake it up. And I said, Father Mike was creative, starting things all the time, at preaching club, the Companions of Christ, the podcast. Oh, the preaching uh, club. I forgot you remember about that. This. Golden yeah, Tongue. You, we have a good... He was recording records with uh, guys from all over the world. Christmas albums. That's right. Production. There was always always projects and fun things going Does on. Does Owen do that stuff? I just, Owen, I should say, I'm I'm flattered. I really appreciate that. Yeah. That's cool when somebody's you know notices, yeah. and I think that's a good thing for him. But I'm not sure. Um, I do think we share kind of like goofy rando brain. Right. <laughs> and, um. So I thought he was going to complain because I cut him off. He was doing a homily. It's supposed to be three minutes, and I no, you're good. All right, good. You're good on that point. Um, yeah, he's got the goofy rando brain, um, and uh, the provocateur tendency. Yeah, he said. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say it. he said that. Yeah, no. Nope. I like to kind of. I see it in him. I kind of just it, like to like well in me. click the landmine thing off and just kind of just roll yeah. it onto the middle of the table and just kind of what just you don't what like babies <laughs> look this audience knows i think you They're probably used to know it. by now you don't know that i'm the sweatiest guy in the world next to father evan coop i didn't know if you were going to talk about that <laughs> no you brought up the thermostat i don't really want to have an some sweat marks on the sides of your clicks that's no, problem okay, with black. you don't need to get too into this i think father evan coop is way sweatier it's than unseemly. you he, he's the sweat master like he's the sweat monster we would call him it's All just right. you know I didn't know that. Especially in Rome. I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus. Yeah, it's too late. Group, but you're already too fancy and cool, so you got to have some floss. All right. Well, this is going to kind of be a flowing topic today. Um, we're going to start in Rome. We're going to go back to the 17th century, and then we're going to kind of bounce into an idea that I kind of drew out of class this week, um, and I want to get your thoughts on all of this. So, All right. Let's start in Rome then. Do you remember allora, allora, between um, San Ignazio Church and the Collegio Romano, as you walk towards the Pantheon, there is a massive complex which used to be all connected to, back in the day, all connected to uh, Santa Maria Sopra Minerva, the Dominican thing. Okay. It's, that's the Collegio Romano, no? Collegio Romano. So imagine you're looking at San Ignazio so Church. And you're walking oh, you're down towards at, okay. the Pantheon. Okay, okay, okay. So here's what I'm here's what I'm going for. When you when that okay, was you're Ber- looking at Berlusconi's place, maybe or whatever. It was the prime minister's. Maybe. Let's see okay. if I can help clarify this more. And if you if you're going to Rome, um, you got to look for this. Before the you're standing in front of the Church of San Ignacio, you're looking at it. You then turn directly to your right and walk down the uh, the alleyway that will lead you directly to the Pantheon. As you look, as you're going down that alley, our coffee shop place. No, that's further over. Okay. You look to your left. You're gonna know what I'm talking All right, about. Sorry, this, there is, this an, is a terrible. There's radio. an elevated <laughs> uh, bridge that it, that connects two buildings. That's about three stories up. Okay. I was walking through here with Father Vincent Strand one time, and he says, "You want to hear a funny story about that? That uh, bridge was built because the Holy Father, whoever he was at the time." The Dominicans and the Jesuits were fighting. And he said, I want you to build a bridge, symbolic of your bridge building between these two communities, between the Collegio Romano, the building on the left, 
Yeah. And the Dominican, whatever the house yeah, was. Sopra was Minerva. Sopra Minerva on the, the right. Yeah, okay. I so see out it. of obedience, cool. they built the bridge and then they bricked in the sides. Wow. So to this day, there's no walkway. It's just it. an elevated bridge uh, wow. that's there. Wow, that's yeah. just for sight, right? It's just for that's sight. It's just to fulfill so obedience. Legalistic. <laughs> yeah. I I love it. Just to fulfill obedience to the Was Holy it Father. Supposed to, is it supposed to be um, like cynical? Oh, I think like so. Like a comment? Or uh, yeah. was it just look how obedient we are? I think it was like... You know, we took... Because they took vows of absolute obedience to the Holy Father. Right. The Jesuits did. Right. Dominicans, I don't know, but... I think that it was. I think that it was the perfect icon of their relationship, which is like, yeah, we're going to build a bridge, but we're going to seal seal both edges. (laughs) (laughs) Vincent Strand knows everything. He does, and has all these cool facts. But thank you. That's cool. You're welcome. So I hope that was like um, a. a, I think it was a clear enough explanation to kind of describe this. You'll find it. You'll find overhead it. Somebody is going to go to Rome. That is a fake bridge, but a statement. Somebody's going to go to Rome and they're going to see it. The key is just stand I, in I front of it. San Ignacio, now go my, to the right, and then to the left. All these kind of alleyways look the same, but you'll see it's it. It's between on the, the Collegio Romano and then the San Ignacio is back there Exactly. Too. Yeah. So I was thinking of the Jesu when you were talking about it. Right. All right. Sorry. No I'm problem. belaboring this point. No problem. So this bridge was built after a controversy that happened in the 17th century. And the country is called De Auxilis. Okay. Okay. After the name of the congregation that the Holy Father had to put together. This thing was so massive and so problematic that a whole congregation had to be put together in in Rome to try and deal with this thing and sort An this office. Of An office, Pope. yeah. Congregatio De Auxilis. Of the help, literally. Okay. Auxil- Who would where you we get assign to this thing? Okay, go Andrew on. Andrew Lagminas. Oh, yeah. 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 So The diplomat. The story begins... Um, in, in 1581, with a guy named Domingo Banez, who's a Dominican, who publishes a, a work going after uh, a Jesuit. Okay, so already the Jesuits, the Dominicans are already kind of squaring off on this thing. And he publishes this work. And basically the question is, what they're starting to fight on is the relationship of grace and nature. Okay, okay. so this is a theological debate. Theological debate. Not like, um, you remember the Franciscans kicked out the, the Jesuit, the Franciscan Pope uh suppressed the jesuits right and he was buried in but now you got dominicans fighting with jesuits right do we see a pattern yes exactly so uh the dominicans are um so then um so banyas this uh dominican uh publishes this work at 1581 the jesuits then uh respond with the work by uh this guy named luis de molina so the two guys are molina and banyas okay and um they this like throwdown begins all right and um basically the question is and it's super complicated i don't understand it i've been teaching it this week but i still don't understand it um it's really about the help afforded by grace de auxilis the help so how does help how does grace help me be more natural in sense of nature grace perfects my nature so i don't become unnatural when i live in grace grace actually helps me so how is grace efficacious specifically around my freedom how does grace make me more free but not take over my freedom why is that a new question that seems like very basic well that we operate as christians with our own freedom mm -hmm. our own free will i make choices and then god helps them i guess there's there's grace on both sides right 
providence, which is sort of leading me. What is your will, Lord? Then I cooperate with the will of the Lord, and then God helps me to do that as best I can. Right. Well, obviously, it's it it's complicated to some because the congregation for uh, day auxiliary said to have sixty five sessions held in Rome between nineteen between sixteen o two and sixteen o five. Sixty five sessions. Well, okay, yeah. So multiple the listen to this, multiple days each session, multiple days for three years trying to sort this thing out. I think a lot of it is that this begins in the fifteen eighties. So it's Well, can it's, I give one example it's, of it's, another? Uh, hold on a second. It's just it's Luther, Calvin, everything is super heightened uh by the polemics that are destroying Europe and there's a lot of fear that now this is happening within the church. We got to get this right. So there's a lot of pressure, okay. pressure around it. Yeah. Go ahead. Is this what you would still say counter reformation? Or yeah. is this just clarifying post reformation? There's a lot of stuff that needs to be clarified. Yeah, I mean a lot of it is like you have especially nature and grace questions because the that was a bit a real sticking point for the Reformation. Yeah. You know, how do you interpret this we are we are saved by grace alone. Right. Um, grace and nature have been the biggest controversy of the last five centuries yeah. in terms of theologically. So still, even to our day, even to the last last century with Under de Lubac and the, his work, Sir Naturel, and these things. So, so here's, tr- here's the other out. example of real. The simplest things are the hardest. Um, the, this mystery that says God is one and God is three. Right. In some way, that's very simple. The number three and the number one. Right. And it's the, probably the most difficult thing to understand and to describe right. in history and will continue to be. But it's true, and it's somehow very simple, too. But, okay, back to nature and grace. So, yeah, so um, the point of this podcast is not to um, really belabor these kind of very kind of complex theological ideas um, or debates. Um, the Dominicans and the Jesuits— Take two different approaches to it. It's really about a. It's about stress. But what are you what are you accenting? What are you focusing on? For the Dominicans, uh, it's going to be they're focusing on a kind of intrinsic relationship, and they get condemned as kind of being Calvinists. All right. And the other side is the Jesuits are kind of focusing on the extrinsic relationship. They get they get condemned as being Pelagian. Pelagianism is mm-hmm. kind of a um, where my free will affects my salvation because I choose grace and then I and then so I, I choose my own salvation right versus Calvinism which is there's no free will at, at all yeah. so one Pre- is all free will predestination with Calvin right so God has everything planned those right. who are going to be saved are saved because God had already chosen them yeah and then the other thing here's for all the um, serious Catholic nerds out there Bethany Doyle the uh, this idea of Pelagianism well, I could be wrong about this, but um, turns into the shorthand reference to someone being Jesuitical, right? Now, I'm not sure that that um, maintains until today. Right. That the Jesuitical means that you think you can earn your way into heaven, empower yourself into heaven. Right. And I think it's related actually to the new Catholic movement in Russia. As wild, wild as that, you know, extended mm. as that connection is. So interesting, Bethany and your friends who are fact checkers, you can check that out. And yeah, let me know. Yeah, Jesuitical. We have a very different sense of what the Society of Jesus uh, is communicating since the Second Vatican Council. Well, and it's but, been up but and down, but, and but, left and right. But in the 1950s, um, yeah, 
like you're talking about Jesuit missionaries, it would have been a very strong sense of like, um, if you do these things, you will be saved. Just that yeah. kind of um, muscle. Maybe here's an expression: um, God helps those who help themselves. Right? right, right. So you've already dedicated your mind to it. You've set your will to something. You are you've done the work, and now God is going to give you the power, that energy, that fuel, to achieve what you are intending to achieve, which is good things, right? Charity. Mm -hmm. I want to do charity well. I want to love. So now God is going to give me the energy and the guidance and direction, um, as opposed to what would the other one be more, the, the more Calvinist one, something like God has inspired me to, um, to acts of charity. God and, helps himself with those who don't help themselves. Like, cause it, like we have, we <laughs> yeah, have nothing, exactly, we have nothing to do exactly. with it. You don't. Yeah. We are. Right. God takes someone who doesn't care at all. And then. So it's a really a question of free. The grace and nature us. question is really a question about freedom. And that's where questions of justification, which would be the main preoccupation for Luther, predestination, the main preoccupation of Calvin, things are just really heightened and and, and intensified by the world, uh, the church trying to recover after the the chaos and the kind of confusion of of Protestantism and the and Trent, which saved the church but came about thirty years too late. So. We go back to St. Thomas. There's three really good points that help us kind of navigate this, and then we'll, we'll kind of depart into some other musings here. Number one, grace exceeds nature. So that means that grace will elevate nature when it comes into be in relationship with it. Number two, grace perfects nature. It doesn't destroy it. So grace somehow mm-hmm. is working in your free will. Yeah. And it's healing and elevating. Yeah, you're never a puppet. You're not a puppet, yeah. It does. He doesn't just take over and zap you, and then you start kind of you drink the Kool Aid, so to speak, as I told my brother after he had his conversion. And then I drank the Kool Aid. So ah, here we are. Gotcha. And then lastly, nature has some kind of uh, what Aquinas will call kapox day or a kapox, um, um, so an ability to like a capacity, um, a native openness for grace. So it doesn't necessitate grace, but it has this kind of openness towards it. Right. Yeah. So nature and grace, um, again, so by 1603 to 1605, this congregation's meeting, they spend a ridiculous amount of time trying to sort this out. And then in 1607, Paul V, who's an old pope, says, um, he makes a pronouncement on it. He says, he pulls the Dominicans and the Jesuits together, and he says, okay, both of you are not wrong. Stop it. That's it. It's never resolved. Wow. Well, that, it, okay. Tell me what you think of that response, because I think that's an interesting response that says, um, "Well, it, it acknowledges the good that they had worked out, yeah, but also says we're not going to wait for reconciliation until until you've won your your side of a battle or whatever, yeah, of a game, or you you know fight forever." And figure it out because you're not going to really figure it out. Yeah. Right? But this is helpful, what you've done. Is that I, right? I, I agree. I, so there's like support and, and and sort of a correction. and Support and correction. Let's do this. Uh, one, the two things that I hear in this are when I think about the, the Doug Zillis countries. Number one is nobody ever really leaves high school. Like even yeah. still, there's all these camps and uh, these guys, these theologians that are fighting about this and that and grace and nature. And it's just like... It's whoever your buddies are. Yeah, cliques and teams. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a part of this crew. So I, I, you know, and it's just the Dominicans Jesuits. It's just like, this is just like, you know, it just feels like, okay, this is just in us. We're just kind of tribal by nature. And yeah. we always are looking for who's the enemy. And uh, that's just part of our fallen nature. That's one thing. Wait, now, do you think that like very strictly, like that really is true, that we're looking for an enemy or in order to define ourselves? I think that to, part, to, yeah. In order for me to feel like I have an identity, like I have meaning, like I've chosen I've like to define my own positions, ideas, thoughts, you have to find people opposed to it. Because this is like, you know, you grow up in this environment of political division and division of ideas and are you on this team or that team tribalism right now is just like very apparent yeah i mean i think this is all effects of the fall i think the party spirit is paul lists that as part of concupiscence we just want to find a party and be like we're right they're wrong we need to destroy them i I like i like since being the the fallout the long-term effect of original sin. Right. Even when your original sin is gone, even if you're not like particularly sinning, you suffer. We One suffer. of the effects is you have disordered the appetites. Messed up world and right on. messed up self. And then, um, I, yeah, I like Rene Girard, uh, the scapegoat theory. Mm. We're always looking for kind of to kind of reconcile things and figure it out, figure out the problem. We are a problem to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Human beings are the only only. Human beings are the only species in the world who are not happy being themselves right there's not like a group of monkeys in the congo that we can really relate to we're like man are you just like really just existentially just just struggling they're like yeah or like you know you don't turtles in the galapagos that are just fundamentally unhappy that are just like man the pikes are bigger that maybe yeah no i get it it's you know true. What I, mean? I think that's so, part of consciousness and the beauty of the soul. I would not lead into a kind of a Hegelian dialectic or Marxist thing where then we have to kind of, the synthesis happens between the thesis and the antithesis of like, you're against me, and then we together, the the violence of that will unite and we'll kind of transcend ourselves. I don't believe that. That's um, that's the, a lot of the critique, you know, the, the world's assessment now, Marxism, but that's a whole other topic. So That would want to be someone else or that puts ourselves in this position of judgment and comparison yeah yeah we are the only creature but i don't know are you saying that this is good this is part of us this is I think this is bad. bad this is very bad <laughs> don't you okay what about this this is um you remember balthazar and his thing about the ch- the child learns its own identity in the gaze of the mother so if there is no other that i'm comparing myself to i find no identity so I, don't, I think there might be a positive spin in, in just in terms of the way that we learn ourselves in relation. If you go to the woods and are alone forever, you will not know yourself. That is a great lead-in to the final section of this All podcast. Right. <laughs> Thank you, because I totally agree. What has fallen, you know, um, what is it, the, the best thing becomes the worst? What's the optima? Do you remember that line? No. Corrupti... Corrupts eat pessima. I forget what it is. Like the, the best is corrupted into the worst. So the relational nature of how I come to my own personhood, how I come to know myself, as you said, in the gaze of the mother early on, um, is uh, corrupted into this kind of um, dialectic, antith- 
uh, antipathy of just like you're against me. Yeah. It's it's a dialectical op- opposition instead yeah. of the the relationality which we see in its origin and foundation in the Trinity in the Trinitarian persons who are in this perfect union of relation. So here's the final point and maybe the main point of the podcast is despite all this kind of funny stories and musings on grace and nature what i'm actually really interested in teaching is not so much the controversies and the fine details because i i think that the for me the the de auxiliaries controversy is an example of the limitations of scholastic methodology and i'll explain what that means Scholasticism, okay. yeah, is some, I think I'm following so scholasticism is something that is um, a method of doing theology that is born out of the scholastics, the schoolmen, so with the foundations of the university in the 12th century. This becomes the predominant method by which we do theology. It uh, marks itself on um, a kind of analysis and distinction and delineation, which has brought about a precision and an ordering and a kind of systematizing of Catholic thought uh, in a way that's totally unprecedented, but it's also limited. Okay. And you can yeah. only delineate and distinguish and separate and critique and clarify define and define yeah. to, to a certain point. It's very scientific, um, and uh, it's very Aristotelian in the sense of um, kind of ordering and understanding causality in these things. But at a certain point, it's a mystery. At a certain point, mm-hmm. you can't understand it. At a certain point, you have to ask yourself, if we've delineated and delineated and delineated, what have we lost? Well, we've lost Christ. Mm. We've lost the deep meaning of things. Um, And so what I'd like to just riff on for the last few minutes of this podcast is, what are the deepest meanings of nature and grace? Not so much what are the 16th century division and fights between Dominicans and Jesuits, but what do they really reveal about creation? That's what I'm interested in. Oh boy! And you already hit on this, and I'm gonna cir- we'll circle to okay. this in a second. Yeah, you got to lead into more because, like you said, this this is the biggest questions. It's like what I really want to get to is what is life, right? Like, okay, yeah. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk for the next so, ten years about this. Tell me about the etymology <laughs> of the word nature. It comes from the Latin natura. What does that come what, from? What else? I was going to say nature. Think about the word. Birth? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nascor. Natal Natus. Nativity. Nativity, right? yeah. Natal <laughs> I just went to the hospital. Okay, I'm tired yeah. because I, know, I did an funny. anointing in the middle of the night. Well, that's, last night. that's very nice. Uh, well done. Neonatal unit. Neonatal unit. You Sad, love babies. Dude, you love babies. I, I would never go there. Babies. I would turn the phone off because I hate children. It's so sad um, being in the neonatal so natal units nativity natura is natura means birth so the word that comes to mind that arises for me nature is about givenness givenness that which is given that which datum is another word for given you woke up this morning you had a nature your nature did certain things good and bad whatever but it's it's you don't just start each day with like hmm will i pursue happiness today do I want to choose the good? Nah, not today. You're always choosing the good. You're always pursuing yeah. happiness. You have a nature, right? Okay. Nature is what you're born with. And born to do. And born to do. Yeah. But it's, 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 given, it's part of the givenness of things. And I think we've lost a deep sense of, um, we've lost both of these realities, both grace and nature. Both First we destroyed grace, now we're destroying nature. 
we're we're, we're right. just completely deconstructing everything. So don't wh- go down that path. What you're don't born with. What, what you're I'm born with. Down, okay. I'm going down the I know. I don't want to go into transgender uh, and humanism, stuff like that. No, no, I, no. That's no. the, the I don't, cliff. I don't care. Elon, okay, good. Elon you're out of here. Until next <laughs> okay. time. Um, okay. Now, this is, you remember I was talking about aliens, and you're born differently in right. baptism. So right. there used to be the one, I'm thinking of the prologue of John, that this is the one who is the only born of the father and this is where the the question of jesus's nature comes from right and our nature after baptism when we share in the divine nature right we share in divine life because we're born and we're born to be and born to do something different something new a new life and um we share in that one who is the only begotten the one who has the divine nature jesus Right. Perfect. So, when we wake up in the morning, now we do something. Mike from Scandinavian background people, and um, taught to do this and that in school, and uh, likes to eat this and that, and all these things that I that are built into the me right since birth, and then there's also like the God life that's happening in me. And it doesn't just because there are there's givenness to your existence doesn't mean that you're not self determined. It doesn't mean you can't decide things. You can decide if you like Ludafisk or not. Now, what I, your people love Ludafisk. You yeah. you can actually decide that. Like I, do, yeah. you're not just hardwired to be like I'm Swedish, therefore I eat Ludafisk. Yeah, we do this. Uh, yeah. That's so a that, good point. that so it's not but to what deny about that. This? What about this? And I don't want to overcomplicate it, but you're making it sound like I have a Mike nature. I don't know. Is that right? Thomas would say I have a human nature. You have a human nature, yeah. And then I have a bunch of Mike circumstances, which is my DNA and my uh, environment. Right. No, I, I'm, I, what I'm interested in saying is what is nature? Nature is givenness. Okay. Nature means that you don't start with self-creation. Creation is given. Creation exists. I can't decide how the solar system set up. That I see. It's, I, don't, I don't decide what the weather is today. I don't decide how big the mountains are west of our city. Yeah. Nature is given. We work with what is given. That's part of the structure of being created. We've lost that. And I think that nature as givenness is a really interesting way to reflect on what is natural. Yeah. Everybody wants to be natural. All right. right? So or I sh- organic, but it's about getting in touch with the givenness of things. I, yeah. The like givenness. Live, starting from that, engaging that, living in that reality. I have a book to recommend. Okay. Father Michael Rapp's. Uh, philosophy thesis from my time in seminary. I wrote about authenticity, and one of those was in line with metaphysical real, uh, or ontological realism. Mm. So that means um, you have this givenness, like you're saying, I don't choose to make myself. It's something like opposed to existentialism phys- uh, philosophically. Uh, there's a givenness to me. Authenticity is coming to know and accepting and living out of that givenness. That's it. That's it. I love it. Now, uh, Heidegger is going to say something very different about being authentic. Mm. Sartre, Nietzsche, the main kind of architects of the world we're living in. They're going to say, you have to actually have to get rid of all that. So then your freedom can totally express self-definition. Exactly. And I, that's awesome. So I'm going to check that out and then I'm going to hand on to Owen and he's going to become his, <laughs> yeah, he's going to exactly. become his own authentic how, Mike. How rap. much of Mike-ness is Owen-ness these days? Exactly. So that's one thing. The other thing is grace, which comes from grazia, which comes from the Greek. The kara, charis. charis. Yeah, charis, which means. Sorry, I'm kind of like. Yeah, it's okay. You had a late night. Charis means grace. It means gift. Gift. 
So in the same sense that nature means givenness, grace means giftedness mm. or gratuity. Mm-hmm. So these are, we're not reflecting on the two different orders. We're just reflecting on two different aspects of createdness, of how, what, how God works. Mm-hmm. Things are given, and they're given as gifts. And that constitutes mm. how we live as human beings. Mm. And the response, of course, to things that are given as gifts is gratitude. Right? So gratitude yeah. is the fundamental human act. For the Catholic, we see that as the Eucharist. The Eucharist Which is to give back. Right. Gratitude. Still gratis. Right. Gratis received, gratis given, gratitude. So nature and grace as these two orders, they are two different distinct orders, uh, but really they also reveal two different dimensions or aspects of creation, which are that creation is something that is given. It's it's already there, but it's also uh, all gift. Mm -hmm. And I think this conditions, and this brings us back full circle to what you were commenting on earlier, which was the perfect lead-in, which is to say, we're not in dialectic. We're not looking to kill each other. It's not about finding the enemy. Competition, yeah. It's not about competition. It's not survival of the fittest. It's actually about a relationship, but relationship that makes me more authentically myself. Why? Because I encounter you today as you are given, as a gift, and if I can kind of align my subjectivity to that reality, then I'm going to live in gratitude and actually discover who I am in the midst of this encounter. Yeah. That's very different. Right. Then I wake up, I'm an autonomous being kind of operating and moving through life and, yeah. and you get in my way and you stop my plans. Yeah. That's very, or, very different. Or like this, um, this, I see you as an enemy and I'm going to be better than you at that terrible thing. Uh, mimetic rivalry if mm-hmm. you're going to the Girard. Or I just see competition and I feel sorry for myself, more and more sorry for myself because I'm not... I don't have your virtues or I don't have your nature and or on the on the flip side this kind of positive side is I see something uh, beautiful and I come to know not only your beauty but my beauty particular beauty right I understand my nature right more. Um, that's that's really cool if um, this sort of givenness and gift are those the two like the Dominican and the um, Jesuit like contra- that's, contributions that's interesting. to the to the discussion. That is interesting. I'm sure if Jesuits and Dominicans were listening to this, they would be like, "Do not even answer that because you don't know what you're talking about," which is true. Vincent Strand but always I'm, tells you you I'm don't a, know what you're talking. Exactly. About. I'm going to answer it anyways, <laughs> and he doesn't listen to the podcast. So um, the Dominicans in this debate are fighting for the gratuity of grace. Yeah, F- free gift. And I think that the Jesuits are fighting for the givenness of nature, which means that it's made for grace, that it yeah. really does yeah. call for this. Um, and somewhere in there, you have to be very careful not to make grace uh, lose its free nature, that, it's, that it is given, but it's not determined in this kind of materialistic way. It's, it's a gift. Yeah. So bringing this into the circle of relationships, which this is, is cool. re- really I like what this it's word. about. You like I don't this? get to think about this stuff a lot, but... Awesome. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's really, yeah, thought-provoking. Thank, Thank you. I will not go on and on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just reference two things that I read this week that I really liked. One was from uh, Luigi Giussani. Don Juice, as they say. Don Juice. You have to shorten everything. Giussani. Don Juice. Um, the Don. The CL Isn't people. the Don it, the Godfather, like the yeah, mafia? Yeah. Don Juice. Don Juice. Uh, Don is just, yeah, 
you'd be Don Michele. Yeah, it's just I have the unfortunate name Mister. of being Don Sir. Giovanni. Which I never really... You are Don Giovanni. I never oh, figured that's that out. ironic, dude. I know, I know. I don't want to get down on you and be a provocateur, I but know. that is <laughs> delightful. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Okay, so here's uh, Giussani. This is from At the Origin of the Christian Claim. So uh, thinking about um, givenness and gratuity as the things that kind of condition and predetermine how I am supposed to be a human being and, and how I will flourish. The law of human existence is love in its dynamic reality, which is offering the gift of self. The law of human existence is love in its dynamic reality, which is offering the gift of self. And then he says, therefore, to be myself, I need someone else. To be myself, I need someone else. That's a great simple expression of what you've just said. Alone, uh, Jesus taught us that whoever accepts this message of salvation without me, you can do nothing, cannot avoid facing himself with sincerity, cannot avoid being realistic on his own consideration of man. Alone, we cannot be ourselves. This is the same as saying mm-hmm. one more time that man cannot realize himself unless he accepts the love of another, especially the capital A, another being God himself. So, this is just a radical challenge. We can talk about givenness, gratuity, but I I think about like John Fraker, uh, my old buddy, fathering his son Eli, who was a wild ass of a of a child. He's yeah. just and John's By like, nature. I don't know where this came from, and it's like <laughs> you have to you got to work with this. Uh. It's it's just he's just totally a wild man. He's absolutely just, you know. Look, I'm not that surprised, Fraker. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We know where it came from. But to be on, to start in the reality of the other, in what is given, and to try and live in the fact that they are a gift, even if I don't like them, and if I don't like the circumstances, and I want to control or recondition or just avoid and check out, all these different things that we do, um, Giussani's like, you're never actually going to find yourself unless you do that. Mm-hmm. Now, the key, of course, is that you have to have God. You have to have the other in order, the one who reveals perfect relationality. Jesus is the one who is sent by the Father. His whole existence is relationship to the Father. Mm. So he perfects that, and he reveals to us what personhood is. So so you want to know yourself? Make friends, be close to your family, and know God really well. Right. And then you'll come to know yourself. That's right. And that's a very satisfying kind of experience in life as you come to know yourself i think we all want that in some ways but it's also difficult so as beautiful as that sounds it's hard this is one of the great conflicts because we are living in concupiscence we are prone to the competition um you know yeah so that's that's one side and here's another point this is a fantastic little book called the gift creation by kenneth l schmitz he gave this as a lecture in 1982 and uh, they published it who is he? He's a philosopher? Yeah, or? philosopher. He taught okay. at JP2 Institute for a long time. Kenneth Schmitz, Schmitz. Canadian, I think. Okay, um, cool. Great what do guy. you got? What is a gift? It is a free endowment upon another who receives it freely, so that the first mark of a gift is its gratuity. There is a quality of absoluteness about a gift in the fullest sense. The line between a gift and a transaction, a piece of business, is identically clear enough, but it is not always clear in life itself, nor should we expect it to be. A gift, then, qua gift, does not call for an adequate return upon the endowment. So what is he saying here? Gifts are 
free endowment on another, if I give you my espresso, you don't now owe me an espresso. That would make it not a gift. That would make it a transaction. I say, I'll trade mm-hmm. you my espresso for a Starburst or whatever you got over there, right? Yeah. That's a transaction. What makes us a gift is that I'm giving this as free endowment. So the answer is, yeah. What? how do you receive it? And I don't a, expect neither some, some material thing in return or honor, praise, gratitude, like thank you, a thank you note, a, oh, wow, John is really generous. Anything, right? It's just here. I want you. I want you to have this. That's it. This is this you is gratuitous. You could drop it off at my step, so I can. It could be anonymous. Right. And then he continues the fundamental receptivity, reciprocity called for. How do I? How do I reciprocate a gift? Mm-hmm. Um, however, is not the return of another gift. It's not like oh, Mike, right. Mike just outdid me. He gave me the espresso. Now I got to figure out a way to like up it. Yeah. Oh, this is awful at Christmas it is, time. It is rather... It drives me nuts, and it makes me uncomfortable. To reciprocate a gift is not to give another gift. It is to complete the gift by doing what? Gratitude. Ah, uh, so you do want the thank you Reception. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you notes are good. I tell yeah, my, I hammer those with my guys. Right? Reception is original reciprocity intended for the very meaning and reality of the gift. Receptivity on the part of the recipient is the primary requisite for the completion of the gift. Mm. How do you complete gifts? By being receptive. Now, be, part of being and receptive grateful, is being grateful, th- right? thankful, right? Yeah. When, my, when my grandmother passed, you sent my mom flowers. That was a nice, that mm-hmm. was a beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. And she sent a thank you. And the thank you expressed reciproc- or, uh, receptivity. Yeah. I am receiving this. And the reciprocal yeah. act is not she sent you flowers back or she sent you yeah. something. She just said... I, I receive yeah. this and I'm really grateful. Yeah. And it's like a full act of love. There so, would be something missing, like, oh, did she get the flowers? Right. Or does she care or whatever? Um, is she comforted? Right. You know, I want to know that because it's that's my hope. Right. Right. And that's a that's conclusive when there's something thank you. That's a cool that's a cool point. And uh, another recommendation is uh, Barclay the gift. This is Larkin's favorite thing. Larky. Ever. And he's exploring how do you ex- how did Paul look at all these questions mm-hmm. and basically accept express the same thing? He's a Protestant working out the problems that the Dominicans and Jesuits were trying to articulate. Right. Um, that's really cool. That's Beautiful. it. That's Thank it. you. I could keep going and going and going, but Thank we didn't. Thank you for that gift. You're welcome. You better reciprocate it next week. And the just God is joke. constantly giving. That's Catholic position is right. grace after grace after grace. This isn't just, hey, one time I died for you and um, someday you're going to get to heaven. But this is a whole lifetime of receiving little gifts here and there. God shots. So it's not like Jesus died for you. You better get busy and be amazing. It's just just receive. You need yeah. to live fundamentally in receptivity. Receptivity is how you reciprocate the gift and then it flows from there. Yeah. And go so, to Mass. Do this in memory of me. Right. Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Right. Go, that is the act. That is the act of gratitude which everything is drawn into. Right on. Good. Love it. Here's Call a shout there. out. A thank you to um, my girl Stella out in Montana. Stella. A faithful pen pal for years now. And uh, Gallic. And <laughs> she uh, draws pictures sometimes. And we, we you know, I try to reciprocate but it's been a real gift to me and i appreciate it stella you're cool keep on loving keep on growing 
Uh, you're great. I'm proud of Didn't you. Didn't Stella move to North Dakota? Ah. <laughs> All right. Are you behind on the letter? I'm tired. Yeah. I well, have we haven't actually. Yeah. I have never addressed one to North Dakota. I'm sorry. That's a long time, too. Stella, I owe you one. <laughs> oh, I have a pen pal that she I, hasn't I'm, to me I'm like three letters deep. Marina uh, Newberger in Wisconsin. Letter is coming. Your mom's visiting next week. Shout out to you. And shout out also to Ted and Jen Francois. Jonathan's parents. Yeah, Frenchy. The Frenchy. The parents of the Frenchy. Frenchy number two, right? We uh, I really enjoyed meeting them at our parents' weekend, and they're nice. just awesome. And their son Jonathan is a seminarian for Denver. Uh, fantastic, just a great guy. So did he fall far from the tree like Jonathan Fraker's wild man? Uh, I definitely see his parents in him. He's yeah. he's like you. He's a mix. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Own man. Well, that's wonderful. Um, it's great to be back great to be back uh, i'm learning a lot i yeah thank you it's great jake uh, welcome machado looking forward to podcasting with you yeah we'll have jake and uh, father mike recording again here soon and uh, thanks for listening we'll see you next week catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com ciao